that this microphone wants to go out on me. I'll switch over here. Is that we're in a monumental season at Shannon Oaks Church. Many of you who have been with us over the last 8 to 12 weeks have been anticipating this season as it is drawing nearer. And today is the day that we get to step foot across the threshold as we celebrate what God is doing in us and among us. As we anticipate what he's holding before us. And I want to celebrate that this morning with you. Uh, many of you know that, that Todd Tennell is the, the man that God has chosen to help be our tangible, Holy Spirit-led trail guide um, on this journey ahead of us. And he is here this morning not just to anticipate what God's going to do uh, in the family of Shannon Oaks Church, but he's here to bring a message to us as part of his family of Shannon Oaks Church as we anticipate together the things that God has in store. Todd, as I've said before, Loves the Lord with all of his heart. He has loved this church for decades, and he is here this morning to love on you as part of his Shannon Oaks Church family. So, Shannon Oaks, would you join me in doing what you're doing so well and welcome our guest speaker this morning, Mr. Todd Tennell. Thank you, brother. Love you. I want to know who this young man is up here. Good grief, it's time to update people. That's very, that's a lie, is what that is. That's, that's very deceptive. But I kind of like it like that. Good morning to you. And again, thank you so much for this privilege. It's uh, always such a, an honor to be here and get out of the Metroplex. Get, oh, amen. And as we're driving out here... Country air and the cow patty smell. You know, just so easy and so relaxing and so wonderful uh, to be here with you today. It's, uh, it's like coming home in many, many ways, even though so many of you are new and uh, so many of you I don't know. Um, but if you're a part of Shannon Oaks, then I consider you family. So thank you uh, for this opportunity. I have guests with me today. Uh, my wonderful parents are here, Gerald and Evelyn Tunnell. Would you welcome them, please? My father was a gospel preacher for several decades, um, and uh, I've had two Evelyns in my life. My mother and Sister Crump, where are you this morning, Evelyn Crump? Where is she? Is she here? There she is, right back here. Two very important Evelyns uh, in my life, so uh, both of those ladies are very special. And of course, Gail is here, my wife. Uh, we send greetings from our daughters. Um, Tessa uh, is in Memphis, and her husband, Dustin, and... Uh, their uh, precious baby Vivian uh, send their greetings, and Morgan, our other daughter in Little Rock, and her husband uh, Calvin uh, send their greetings, and Tortilla, my Bassett, says hello to you as well. So that's my whole family. That's, that's the whole shebang. Now, Tortilla's mother was Taco Bell, and her father was Habanero, her sister was Fajita, and her brother was Nacho. So there's a reason for the uh, the names there. We love Mexican food, so uh, it's all very important information for you today. Um, I'm so enjoying the opportunity of working uh, with your leaders in uh, this work that we're uh, doing together. Before we launch in this morning, though, I, I just have to say something about uh, your praise and worship uh, band. You know, I, I like the way they play, and I'm sure they're all uh, very talented 
But I love the way they worship. Amen. So thank you. Yeah. And, you know, um, you know, sometimes we old dogs, you know, uh, the new tricks and the, the contemporary uh, style music uh, stretches us and challenges us. But if we just put some of our um, past in perspective and we just listen and we just look at those lyrics and we just watch the faces of those leading us, it reminds us that it's precious and that it's worship. And so thank you for that. Um, when we talk about next steps and we talk about processing, you know, a church's future, that's, that's really tough because where do you start? You know, where do you, uh, this church has been here decades, 50 years, 40 years, I'm, I'm not sure, a long time. Uh, so where do you start with next steps over and over again? Because you're always starting that process again of, of moving forward. And so given your context here at Shannon Oaks, your leaders want to start uh, by listening. And I'm, I'm really uh, impressed by that. Uh, you know, one of the mistakes we make as leaders is we just launch. And especially if you have that personality, you know, you just launch and you just say, here's where we're going, and here's what uh, God's told me, and here's the direction that we need to go, and so here's the passion of this church, and so forth. And I think that's what leaders do, and I think ultimately they're responsible for making those decisions. But I think it's also really important that in your context right now, with as many people as have come to this place in the last few years, them just saying, you know what, we just want to listen for a little just want to ask some questions. We just want to get to know some people. I'm really, really impressed by that self-control um, and that putting you first right now and, and listening to, to what you have to say. You know, there's a couple of types of, of uh, leadership, really. There are more than that, but two that come to mind, that kind of that prophetic kind of leadership and shepherding that says, whoa, 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 danger. You know, it's, it's prophetic. It's Here's what's ahead, and you don't see what's ahead of you. And as leaders, we're moving the sheep, and we're going over here, and we're going to go in this pasture. Whoa, over here, over here. It's an it's a urgency. It's an urgent kind of leadership. And that's important. And there will be times when leaders need to have that kind of prophetic kind of, if the people have no vision, they perish. If people can't see what's in front of them, then they're careless about what's around them and it's dangerous. So leaders have to sometimes do that. There's that other kind of leadership like Psalm 23, that shepherding, where Jesus just quietly leads us by still waters and anoints us with oil and restores our souls and there's eye contact with the sheep and there's time to lie down in green pastures and just visit and the, the sheep get to know the shepherd's voice and the shepherd gets to know each of the sheep and they come to trust so that's kind of the leadership that I'm feeling right now from your staff and elders they're wanting some time with you so our two co-authoring sessions this afternoon and on August the 14th are really about an opportunity for you to talk to one another about some things and to share, share your thoughts. There are about 100 people signed up for today. That's really, really great. And then there's another session on August the 14th. So um, really, that's a good opportunity for this body. And so thank you for that. We'll be looking at four categories, uh, really. Uh, we'll talk about vision a little bit. Um, uh, do you consider this place a, a, 
Church of Vision and what might be in your heart that you think Shannon Oaks will do uh, in this community. Uh, another category we'll talk about a little bit is your experience here at Shannon Oaks, kind of the good, bad, and the ugly. Some of you have been here a long time. Some of you have said, hey, I've had some experiences. Don't want to go through those again. Uh, some of you have had wonderful experiences and none of those negative experiences. And so you'll have an opportunity to answer some questions about what's your experience been like here. And what would you want the experience to be of people who come to Shannon Oaks to visit or who become members here? Uh, we'll look at another category of how well do you meet needs in, at Shannon Oaks. Your needs, have they been met here? What needs have been met here? Um, what needs do you hope are being met by people who come and are here among you? What are we assuming that we're doing uh, in the, in the uh, area of meeting needs? And then we'll ask some theological and some doctrinal and some uh, religious practice kinds of questions to kind of get the lay of the land of um, how you deal with the Word of God and on some topics and some specifics. So um, I do want to tell you that it will, all of your answers, because this is really a, a kind of a, this is not so much personal as it is for the leaders to get a, a feel of the church. And so uh, it will be anonymous, and I'm bringing pins that match. So that nobody says, well, you know, Dwight was writing with a purple pen, and I want to see that paper that has purple ink on it, you know. We're, everybody's going to have a black pen, and I'm going to collect all the data, and I'm going to take it home with me, and I'm going to put it in a form, and then I'm going to bring it back to your leaders. And then it is for them then to look at and pray over and let God uh, speak to them through that data. So uh, it's, it's not an exhaustive uh, sort of... Um, you know, uh, attempt. It's there are other things that will need to be done, but it is an intentional effort to gather some feedback, uh, and then the, the leaders can get a, a glimpse of what's important here, what is valued here, what are some things people say about what makes Shannon Oaks. So again, a sort of a, a church context. You have a really great mission statement. It's something like this: We are people who reconnect to God's presence, plan, and purpose. Am I close? It's a really good uh, mission statement. I, I really think that's awesome. And may God bless any efforts that come from your trying to make that a reality uh, more and more. So, for the rest of our time this morning, I thought uh, we would go back to our very earliest roots as a movement. Now, I'm not talking about Shannon Oaks as a movement. There are some of you here who are charter members of this place and could talk about your earliest beginnings. I want to go back even further than that. And the reason why I want to go back to our beginning as a movement is because anywhere we try to go in the future, it's really important to have in that rearview mirror a reminder and a glimpse from whence we came. And the reason that's important is because where we've come from is why we're sitting right here on this very morning on August the 4th. And where we're going to go next August the 4th and 20 years from now on August the 4th, that rearview mirror will still need to be there to say we're there because of where we were. And it's, it's really an important concept for any institution, any family, any sort of, of gathering of people who are trying to make a difference. Passion at the beginning is really the best answer to the why. When this church began, there was probably a very clear why. 
Why is Shannon Oaks being born? Why is it happening? What is making us need this here on I-30 in this town? The why, the passion, the drive, the vision. And so the same is true in our very earliest beginnings about 2,000 years ago. So get your Bibles out. Take out your text. And if you have a phone, take that out. If you do that, if you have an iPad, take that out. But I need everybody with some sort of a text if you can get your hands on one today. And I want to tell you, um, the young people, they don't, you know, they're way ahead of me with technology for sure. But I want to give them a little reminder. If they use paper today or if they use um, the written word, they can't do like this and make it bigger. Okay? So, you know... You'll have to just kind of deal with what's in front of you. So I'm going to squint and use my uh, written word this morning. Let's pray together. God, uh, we, we are so happy to be here today in this place. This uh, church has um, done really mighty things for you over the years. Uh, it has touched a lot of people. It has proclaimed your name uh, high and lifted up relentlessly. And I just pray your continued blessings. God, we thank you for the church and we thank you for the power uh, that was in your Holy Spirit when uh, he came on Pentecost and birthed uh, this movement. So be with us today um, as we look at uh, your word in, in your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I'm not talking so much about fixating on the past and trying to keep everything unchanged because if we keep everything unchanged, that's how churches die. It's pure and simple. That, that's just always going to happen because what happens then is tradition becomes a sacred cow and then fear sets in for anything that threatens that and so churches die. I'm also not talking about duplicating the past because again we're in a different context and the Christ of the gospel has always been relevant. He's always been current. In fact, in his day, some would even say he was very contemporary. So I'm not talking about trying to become old-fashioned and, and go back to duplicating something that is, is long gone. But there are very important fundamental truths, and I use that word confidently, truths and values and principles from the Holy Spirit, from God, through Jesus, through the apostles, and through the beginning of His church that are essential that you can't ever lose here. That's very important. And so if you launch forward without hanging on to what is essential, you can let go of what isn't, but hanging on to what is essential, it's very important for the future of this church to know what those things are. And there are many of those things. So today I'm not going to try and go through all of those things, but I'm going to bring three things to you that I think were really essential on Pentecost for your future uh, and for our movement and for the kingdom of God. We're going to start in Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to set this up really quick, and I'm going to move through this, and so you're going to just need to st stick with me. Uh, let me set you up in Acts 2. Here's kind of what's happened first. Jesus died. And he told them he was coming back, and he did. Amen? He came back. They didn't understand where he went. He said he was coming back. They waited, 
And sure enough, God kept his promises always. Now, he has told them, I am going away again. He rose, and they were with him for about 40 days. And now he says, I'm going away again. And again, they don't understand it. And the the Bible says in Acts 1 that he ascended into heaven and went into the clouds And he told them before he left, you go to Jerusalem and you wait here in the city for the power of the Holy Spirit. It's going to come on you. It's going to fill you. And you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So just wait right here. And up he went into the clouds of heaven. And they're all looking around, these disciples. Where'd he go? And an angel appeared to them, and an angel said, why are you looking up there? He's gone. He's gone. And he's going to come back just like that someday. And that's what I'm waiting on. Amen? So they waited right there in Jerusalem because he told them to wait uh, for uh, the the Holy Spirit to come. So this uh, Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to start, and I'm going to summarize part, and I'm going to read part. So Just go with me. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. We're going to read a little bit. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these who speak Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Then he lists all the countries and all the regions and all the people that were there. Uh, skipping on down because those words I can't pronounce. Um, We hear them declaring, says verse 11, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Okay, So then, um, Peter, he stands up and he addresses uh, the crowd. Of course, it's always Peter. You know, he's going to stand up and he's going to address the crowd. And he says, well, let me explain to you what's happened. First of all, these people are not drunk. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. They're not drunk. Pentecost has happened. That's another sermon. There's a big crowd in Jerusalem. Remember, the Bible said every nation under, uh, under heaven was gathered there. All the Jews from every nation were gathered there. They're not drunk. We're at a festival. Um, it's too early in the morning for that. So here is what this is all about. And then he summarizes for them the prophet Joel. He reminds them of the prophet Joel. Now, all those people knew who Joel was because they were Jews. And so he says, don't you remember Joel said... Uh, in the prophets, that the Holy Spirit would come and this promise would come for all people. And at the end of that prophecy, he says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord is going to be saved. So he reminds them of what Joel says. Now skip over to verse 22 with me. 
Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And then he switches from Joel to David. Because they knew who David was. And he said, don't you remember David said he was going to be buried here. And he is buried right here. But David said there's one that's going to be buried here that's not going to stay in the ground like me. And that's who he was talking about was the Messiah. And they're all kind of not. We d- David, Joel, this is kind of all coming together. Go now to, um, let's see, let's go to about verse... 36. Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them, pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So from this text today, what is it that we learn? And I'm going to give you three quick things. There is so much in this text. If you're a guest with us this morning and you're unfamiliar with church and God brought you here and you don't know much about the Bible today, you're going, there's a lot going on in what he just read. I mean, mighty rushing winds and tongues of fire and foreign languages being spoke by people and and 3,000 people being baptized and all of these prophecies and all of these things going on. There's so much happening in this text. The Lord took me to this text today, so I'm I'm wondering what it is out of Acts chapter 2 in our beginning that He is wanting us to hear. The first thing is, is that at Shannon Oaks and in the, the, the New Testament days 2,000 years ago, the gospel message is central. The gospel message is central. So the demonstration of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost is a fascinating and very important study. How the Holy Spirit worked, the fire, the wind, the miracles. It's awesome conversation. It's absolutely critical to the founding of the church. The Holy Spirit has certainly not gone away. The Bible says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. He helped me write this lesson this week. He brought you here today. He has been present in our worship today. He is our comfort. He is our intercessor, but I must say that tongues and fire and wind were not the crux of Peter's message. The crux of Peter's message was Jesus Christ and him crucified and him resurrected. That was the crux of Peter's message. The gospel must remain central in the church. Even in this text, with all that's going on, Peter preached Jesus and him crucified. And we're so used to that. And we have been raised on that. That we like to go directly to the tongues. And we like to go directly to the fire. And we like to go directly to the wind. We want to go to all of those sensational things that Hollywood couldn't produce if they tried. 
But the central message is Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected for all people. That's the message of Pentecost. So let's go ahead and put first things first in our churches. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. Paul says, I'm delivering to you what is first and foremost. That Jesus Christ died and was raised on the third day. That's first and foremost. There's no second place for it. There's no third place for it. And first means there's nothing more important than that. First means there's nothing you can put in front of that. Jesus Christ and Him crucified is the central message of salvation for man and must stay the center of our churches. It must. It has been since Pentecost. It is at Shannon Oaks today. And in your future, as you process your future, you can't let that fall to any other position other than that of first importance. I've worked in church work my whole life. And I will say that a lack of growth... Churches that have divided, the reason why needs in the community are not met and why we don't win the loss to Christ is because we have elevated conversations about other things, even good things, to the level of Christ crucified and they do not belong there. They do not belong there. If you make end times, tongues, gifts... Church organization, worship style, women's role in the church, and a myriad of other practices and traditions as important as Christ crucified, you have potentially just erected an idol. And that's wrong. Nothing is more important than Jesus crucified and resurrected. So have conversations about these things, gather and study these issues. Find your ground on these issues. You notice I'm not telling you what I think about those things this morning. I'm leaving that to this man right here in the front row. Get together and have conversations about those things. Study those things. Find your place with those things. Do not ignore any of these issues. Leaders, decide what issues uh, are important for your people. Find where your church takes a stand. That's part of being a leader. All of that is well and good. Learn how to dive in and form opinions. Learn how to draw conclusions. But don't for one split second think that it is as important as shaking hands and hugging one another when you're finished debating in unity over the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Very important. Very important. I've known some relationships that have been severed because of the differences that were not as important in the big picture. I've seen churches split over things that in a third world country would be considered a luxury to even be talking about. Uh, an old preacher mentor of mine, an old Irish preacher, uh, I would call him occasionally when I was preaching and I would say, talk to me about this issue. Talk to me about this in our churches. Talk to me about this text. Where Do you think it would be wrong? Do you think this is dangerous? Where do you think our churches should go with this? What's coming over the horizon in the church these days? Let's talk about these things. And we would. And he always ended the conversation. Now, little brother, none of this is as important as Jesus resurrected from the dead. So true. And it's so important. Number two, the gospel message is undiscriminatory. It is for all people. Look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 17. The prophecy of Joel promises to pour out his spirit on all people. 
Verse 21, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 38, repent and be baptized every one of you. Not you and you and you, but you can't right now. You haven't met the standard. You right now, you're the wrong person. You're of the wrong group. You come from the wrong place. You- Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So in this culture today, you know, we're a fragmented society. So pick your qualifier, age, gender, social class, race, ethnicity, pick anything that you want to divide over. And you go to the text, and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus levels that playing ground flat as can be. Same for everybody. So I want you to hear that in the church's very beginning, 2,000 years ago, when there was a very important divide in society, racially, ethnically, and socially, Jesus' message came resounding out of heaven, catapulting out of heaven. Saying, it's for everybody. And don't misunderstand me, said the Holy Spirit. It's for the Jew. It's for the Gentile. There's no slave. There's no free. There's no Jew. There's no Greek. There's no married. There's no unmarried. There's no black. There's no white. We're all one in Christ Jesus. It's the only place you can go and find your equal. And that's in Jesus Christ. Where we're all the same when we kneel at the cross. Don't lose that message in your future. Very important message. Jesus said... In John 7, 37, I love this. Sometime when you're studying the Holy Spirit, look at all the metaphors. Look at the fire and look at the wind and look at the water. And the different things that the Holy Spirit uh, 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 was described as being. And in John 7, 37, Jesus uh, says in reference to this water, this spiritual water. John 7, 37, let anyone. Anyone, but we read that word, we just go right past it. But look at our world. These people don't count, and these people don't count, and those don't count, and those don't count. And Jesus said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, listen to this, rivers of living water will flow from within them. This is a metaphor of the Holy Spirit again being used as water. This living, thirst-quenching, running, pouring, abundant water in everyone who wants it. Indiscriminatory. The church was always intended to be this multi-ethnic Uh, tongues of all languages to the ends of the earth, um, group of people. And I want you to know, I, I don't have to know Mandarin Chinese for the gospel message now to be given to the Chinese people. The word has spread. And I can always get an interpreter. 
But there are also some languages that I don't know very well that I can learn to speak right here in my own town. I can find that neighbor who's lonely. And am I speaking the language of the lonely and crossing all barriers and learning how to give Jesus to someone who's empty? Am I learning the language of the divorced who feel like outcasts and feel rejected and who feel um, guilt? And am I learning to give that person the word of that abundant, flowing, running water that will quench whatever thirst they have? I wonder if I can learn to speak that language. You bet I can. With the help of God. And am I learning to speak the language of the poor? Who have a different vernacular in life. Can I cross those boundaries with this message that is indiscriminatory? Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. In Jerusalem. And you're going to be my witnesses in Judea, and you're going to be my witnesses in Samaria, and you're going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Now those rings in the pond are just like this, and they go out, and they go out, and they go out, and they leave no one out. The gospel is indiscriminatory. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever, believes in him, will not perish, and will have everlasting life. The third principle from the beginning of the church that you can't lose in this place is that the gospel message, number one, it's central, number two, it's indiscriminatory, and number three, it changes hearts. Did the gospel change your heart? Amen. Some of you were raised in the church and you were born with a heart that was beating right next to the heart of God from birth. He'll save you. Some of you were born into a life where you didn't have a heart beating very close to the heart of God. But the Holy Spirit knew you and knew that. And by and by, God's plan worked with your will. And you have found Christ and your heart has been changed. Acts chapter 2 says, when they heard this, they were cut to what? Their hearts. Verse somewhere around 37. They were cut to their hearts. You've got uh, these testimonies that are right here before you, Peter said. We have seen Christ with our own eyes, Peter said. You can't deny his credibility, Peter said boldly. You saw all the works. You saw all the wonders. You saw all the deeds of God. You know it's true. You can't deny it's true. You got to let that guard down. You got to let your humility come forth. And you got to open up your hearts to God. And the Bible says some of them did. And they were cut to their hearts. Because the gospel message for those who are willing will cut to their heart. There are people right here in Sulphur Springs uh, that are, are waiting to hear 
uh, this message. When people have this promise that the Spirit has been generously poured out on them, they can't lose no matter what. The war has been won. Evil has been conquered eternally. So what are Christians led into because of this? They're led, led into doing good now. Titus 3.8, they stop all the quarreling. They stop all the bickering. And they purge out all the divisiveness, Titus 3.9. And Romans 5.1, since we've been justified through faith, we now have peace. You see how hearts change in this gospel message. Romans 5.2, since we have access to faith, we can now stand up in grace. See, it's, it's a life changer. Some who've come to Christ have been flat of their bellies for years. And now they can stand up in grace. Flat of their bellies. Crawling around their life like worms. Feeling the oppression and a yoke on their back like a mule plowing a field who can never look up. And the Bible says, in the power of Jesus, they stand in grace. No more lying down. It's a life changer. And we can boast in the gospel. A sinner without Christ can't boast of anything of any worth. But in Christ, we boast in His glory. That is giving us everything we will ever need. Romans chapter 5 and verse 3. We also glory in our sufferings. Someone without Christ can't glory in their suffering. But in Christ with hope and salvation. We know the battle's won. It's already won. And so that's why the person who doesn't know Jesus. Comes to the funeral service of someone who did know Jesus. And it's a celebration. Because that person knew. And all of that person's loved ones know. This is a winner today for this person. Who's gone to glory. They can't lose. It's a heart changer. It's a life changer. Wherever you go in your vision. Whatever steps you take in the future of this place. Do not forget these three truths. That the gospel is central. The gospel is indiscriminatory. And that the gospel changes hearts. That is the gospel that was preached on Pentecost. That is the gospel that is preached today. So what was next for the church? And then I'll, the lesson's yours. I'll, I'll leave it with you. Beginning in verse 41, these 3,000 people were added to their number. And the Bible says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. So there's, there's those teachings and there are more teachings than just the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So they're involved in these teachings and in this fellowship. They took the Lord's Supper together regularly and they ate together and fellowshiped regularly, the Bible says. They had everything in common. They had glad and sincere hearts. They praised God and enjoyed the favor among all the people. And their vision grew. And the Lord added to their number every day those who were coming in and be, becoming a part of this vision. I'm going to ask the praise band to come on up, if you will. You know, it's not happy people who are thankful. It's thankful people who are happy. It's not happy people who are thankful. It's thankful people who are happy. And aren't you thankful today 
that you know Jesus. And aren't you thankful today that you know his people? Amen? I mean, that's the tangible Christ for you. Because I'm an arm of Christ and someone else is a foot of Christ and someone else is a mouth of Christ and someone else has the eyes of Christ. And so all of us together form this Christ on earth. This body of Christ. You have such a bright future here. My goodness, what a great place for anyone to walk in those doors. If you're looking for a church home today, you just found it. I mean, I mean, where, where, else, where else are you going to find love like the love of Christ who, who says, I don't care, I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what a disaster your marriage was. I care for you because of what it's done to your life. But eternally, we're going to fix that. It's been fixed, for goodness sake. And he's just so glad you're here. And he's so glad that you want something to fill that void. He's so glad that you want to find what quenches that thirst. He's so glad that you want to fill that unhappy, dry parched place in your life with fresh living water. And he's so glad that you want that hunger where you just have hunger pangs for some nourishment. He wants to just give you all the nourishment and nutrition that a person could ever need spiritually. He's so glad today that you say, you know, this physical disease that I've got, this pain and this diagnosis and this bad news and this fear. He's so glad to cast out that fear and to give you hope and to let you walk out of here knowing your heart's changing, you can't lose. If you die today, you can't lose. Because Jesus rose and conquered your death. He's so glad that you're here today if you said, but Todd, I have sin in my life that I'm, I, can't, I can't get it fixed. I, I can't get this sin thing fixed. Join the club. Nobody's ever been able to fix the sin problem. That's why it's already been fixed for you. Jesus nailed all your sins to the cross. You know, we sing it as well with my soul. And that second verse, I don't know who wrote it offhand, and I can't remember who wrote it, but the second verse is the real story. My sin, oh, the bliss of this wondrous thought. My sin, not in part, but what? Whole. Has been nailed to the cross. There anymore. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Why does it end? Oh, my soul. This morning, if you need prayer, you want to be baptized, uh, we're going to baptize you. I don't know, where's your baptistry? You got one, sure. Where's your baptistry? Over here. We'll baptize you. If you don't have a baptistry, we're going to have a visit. Glad to know. We used to be back here. I was panicking. Back up and go back to Acts 2 and talk a little bit about baptism. You got it right over here. It's good. Baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit.
whatever your need, would you come while we sing?